Pharmacy Radio with Christopher Lawrence. The sound of the underground. It's the convergence of time and space amongst the many genres of dance and music. Radio. Sprinkling hypnotic moments. Breaking boundaries of electronic music. Always looking forward, but not back. This is Jeff Radio with John W. Fleming. Hello, everyone. This is Christopher Lawrence, and I'm here with John Fleming. Hi, everyone. Your ears haven't deceived you. I know you've heard um, two intro jingles and think, what on earth's going on? I've tuned into the wrong show or the right show. Uh, we've decided to uh, to get ourselves together and uh, put this show together for you. That's right, because we've got Fleming and Lawrence is hitting the road again, and we've got a date coming up this month on December 18th in Las Vegas. We've got some more dates early next year. We've got one in Los Angeles. Can't announce the date yet, but it is confirmed. And so we thought we'd do a special joint podcast this month. Um, John and I will do it together. And we'll give you a little history of Fleming and Lawrence, um, how it began, where we began, and what we're up to now. So we thought that might be a little fun for everybody. You know, and I, I'm surprised we haven't done this before, Christopher, because just yeah, we wanted to let you know what's behind both of us. We're not just a manufactured couple of DJs going together, playing uh, gigs to each other, with each other. We wanted to give you a little bit of background history of how it all started and what we're actually like now as friends honestly when we when we get on the phone usually it's difficult to get off the phone within three hours we just chat and chat and chat which is really cool so it made sense that let's do something a little bit different let's chat let's give you some background and uh, of course we're going to do a mix for you later on in this show so it's a uh, it's a, a nice, interesting conversation that you're involved as well with. Everyone can listen in and uh, just hear the, a little bit more of a human side to us. That's exactly it. Yeah, I guess where, where to begin? Normally when we, do, when we call each other up, we're straight into it. <laughs> <laughs> but, this, but I think probably the best is um, we both began our careers uh, really around the same time. I, I began, I guess it was about 1992 and I was in San Francisco and you were a little earlier you you started in the like late 80s right I did yeah it was I, I was fortunate um I I started when I was at school I was collecting uh, vinyls in my lunchtime at school which was a really strange thing to do back in those days because the DJ culture wasn't it wasn't what it is today it just didn't exist and um it was quite unique, uh, a school kid collecting music and my headmaster wanted to, to do a, a, an event, you know, midweek and it finished early for, for the school and because he saw me collecting music, he asked me to do that. So I was very fortunate and started at the age of 15. So that was, um, I think it was 86, 87, something like that. So yeah, it started a... Oh, you got a jump on me. I did. And then, <laughs> <laughs> See, I was collecting the music and collecting and collecting and collecting, but I'd like you said, the, the, the DJ culture didn't exist, so I didn't know what to do with it. And it wasn't, for me, it wasn't until, I guess it was like 1989 
1990, I went to my first underground rave and absolutely fell in love with the, the scene and uh, by default became a DJ because I had the music and I've been collecting the records and my friend said, Go, you got to learn how to DJ so you can do our parties. <laughs> so that was, and it, was, it was just, it was by default. But then I think that's where we started getting in sync because that's when the rave scene really took off in the United States is in the early 90s. And the same thing was happening in the UK. And that's where our stories kind of begin to merge. I think I was doing my thing over here, especially the, the West Coast rave sound and playing parties here and was really into the you know progressive house, progressive trance at that time. And I guess I first became familiar with you. It must have been when you were doing, I guess, the Reactivate compilations. For people that don't know, that was a, a label, a really huge label for techno, trance, and progressive house, Reactivate. And they did compilations. And John did one. And when I heard his compilation, I used to work at a record store in Los Angeles at Street Sounds and I was the buyer and John's compilation came in and it was the same music that I was playing and I thought, who is this John Double O Fleming <laughs> guy? <laughs> and that's that's when he came onto my radar. I always see us as kind of our careers running in parallel, doing the same thing but in different countries. And you know, back back then the internet didn't even exist. It wasn't a thing. And your only way to find information was to either be on the ground or pick up magazines. If you could get hold of the magazines, which I desperately tried to do to find out what was going on in different territories. And off the back of me recovering, um, people know my, my history of recovering from, from cancer. I, I, I got advice to go to a warmer climate for a little, a little while just to help me recover. And I went to Florida. That was in the early 90s. So I got really embedded in the early seen on the on the east coast and i was still hopping back and forth because that was at the point when the uk scene was really thriving the the raves were taking off but me being on the ground in the states i was picking up magazines and and what was going on in the states and that's when you you definitely got on my radar because the florida scene had this certain progressive sound and um i should let you tell his story because it always fascinates me when we talk about the the, the old times of how how separated the the east and west coast was it had a different sound over there and that's what got my interest of i heard about you and your sound and um i think I, there was mixtapes and all sorts of stuff going around and um and your releases with um with hook which was you know that ran in parallel with react there was there was two labels that stood out that were completely different to everything else. They just did their own thing and had their own sound. And there you were releasing on on Hook, one of my favorite labels. So those little things you, you got on my radar thinking, wow, he's just like me. He's just doing something different because it's, though it's, though it's magnified today, you know, when scenes grow and evolve, you get a lot of copycat. DJs, copycat producers, if there's a certain sound, everyone kind of jumps on it and it's the same thing, but then someone's doing something different within that scene. That's what it was like back then, this kind of popular sound, but there you were doing something completely different and unique, and that's that's what I was kind of doing over here. It, it's really, really strange, you know, like how we were 
from two different backgrounds, but then converging. <laughs> and I'm trying to think, when, when did we first play together? I think that might have been at WEMP. For those that don't know, that, 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 that's a, a festival series that went for years. And it, was, it began in 1997 or 98 in Toronto. And it was called the World Electronic Music Festival, or WEMP. And you and I met there, I know for sure, in 2000. Wow. We played, we played there together. And I think that's the first time that we hung out. And I remember just thinking John was the funniest guy I had ever met. <laughs> because a lot of times you go to the parties and you hang out with the other DJs. And there's a variety of different characters. There's guys that are players and they're looking for girls. There's guys that like to do lots of drugs and they're doing drugs. <laughs> and there's grumpy guys that are complaining about everything. And here was John, just the funniest guy I've <laughs> ever met. And we just laughed and laughed and laughed. And besides talking about music, and I, that's, that's, my, that's my, I think, my first memory of us hanging out together. Unless, was there anything before that? I think that was it, right? It, th you're right. That's the first time that we actually met. And people are listening to this and think, what knows Christopher talking about? Because be behind the serious persona of me, I'm a joker and I mess around and I've got a silly sense of humour. I'm a child that can't grow up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, people that know me, especially Christopher, knows that's, that's just me all <laughs> over. <laughs> but uh, I, I think it is the first time we actually hung out because I remember I was... I was playing over on the West Coast. Um, I can't remember the name of the, the, the parties. I'm sure it was Spunday or something like that on the West Coast where... Yeah, that's I, right. You used to play at Spunday in San Francisco. Yeah, and I'm, I do recall seeing you. Um, you, you know, back, back in the early days, um, used to, uh, it used to be a novelty. So you went to a city and you go and hang out there for a week. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm in San Francisco. And, you know, it's like a little mini holiday. But nowadays you're, you're in and out. You just want to get home. And I do recall seeing you. And I'm sure it was at Spunday. I think I played one week and then you played either the following day or the, the, the next week. I do recall seeing you a couple of times on the West Coast in different places and loved it, but never never got to speak to you or never spoke to you for, for whatever reason. I think it was more it was more kind of polite back then, wasn't yeah. it? I might have popped in, saw you for a little while and then disappeared. You know what, Christopher? I, I remember um, us reminiscing from these times. I used one of your tracks um, on my Reactivate. It was um, it was Shredder and uh, I feel sure it was Transa remix. So again, that's, an, that's another indication of where we started really getting to know each other and, and aligning and I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here have you got that to hand maybe it'll be a, a good idea to play it to everyone I, I think I can find that in the archives somewhere I will have that let's pull that up and yeah we'll, we'll play that track here's a Shredder the Transamix as it appeared on Reactivate 13 go for it
oh my God, I cannot believe that we're playing that track again. I have not heard that. And it's got to be like almost 20 years. That was uh, 1998. So yeah, it's over 20 years probably since I've, I've listened to that track. And it brings back a lot of memories because that was a big moment for me. One, because a track that I'd done was on a UK compilation, which was just massive for me. <laughs> and I was just really excited that you'd put that on your Reactivate compilation. And also because that was a, one of the first tracks I did with Hook Recordings, who was a massive influence on me in my early career. Hook Recordings was a label out of Scotland. And um, they, they put out, uh, they were making a sound. It was a cross between trance and a little bit of techno influence and a whole bunch of other things. And it, it kind of defined my sound in the like the mid 90s. But yeah, I mean, so that, that for me, the hook sound really kind of defined my sound for like the, the 90s. Like for you, what, what were you listening to? What was, what was your like kind of defining sound in the 90s, John? You know, I've just got to touch on something because I, I've just thought of a track instantly and I think it'd be a really good idea for, for me to play it. So I'm going to fumble around to try and find it. But what, what hit me listening to, to, to your track then is they, it just sounds so good today. It was forward thinking and different and usually within music genres no matter what it is sometimes you listen to a track it was just like a kind of a, a formatted sound of what that sound was so music can kind of date and you know if you listen to a track from the 80s you know it's from the 80s from the 90s you know all the way through say even if we're sticking with the trance genre through throughout the the noughties and the the mid uh, 2000s you sort of know that you hear that track oh yeah that 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 was from the late uh, noughties and but here it's just timeless because it was forward thinking and I, I, I guess um, it, it's just one thing that's occurred to me as well we've we've always been dedicated and our ethos has been loyal to the underground and I hate saying the word underground but it, it, it just distances between the mainstream and and what should I say our world and a lot of people um, not from our generation, from the next generation, don't understand that trance was actually born in the early 90s. There was a, a, a thriving underground trance scene. And um, I remember a, a driver took care of me at Luminosity Festival in the, in the Netherlands and he was um, got in a conversation about talking about trance and he was saying, well, Tiesto was the, the founder of trance. He's the one where trance was born. And I said, I said well, what year are we talking about? And he, he was he was talking about the, the late nineties. I mean, he's, but that was his age, and that was his uh, education process. That he really believed that that was the era of trance. That's when trance was born. And um, uh, we <laughs> digressing. I was actually in hospital because I had an accident, a luminosity, and so I spent quite a bit of time with him. And I, I showed him my phone. I said, right, okay, I'm going to show you something. And I showed him clips from the early nineties of trance parties. Um, even off the back of techno, you know, that melodic kind of trancey techno sound, the Goa trance parties in, in, in India. And he was absolutely blown away and he thanked me so much to say there's a whole decade that he had no idea the trance scene evolved. And just listening to your track then and what I'm going to play, um, we haven't changed our ethos. The, the genres around us have changed 
Um, but we've always evolved and stayed loyal to the more underground sound is because what we're into it's what we've always been into and that's what I always love about you and like about you that no matter what's going on with the fashions that come and go with in trance because honestly there's there's so many you know there's, there's a there's a peak of two or three years when this I always remember Trouse and all these other things they come they go they come they go but we know we just know that that is going to be a fad. It is going to come and go, and it has headed in a, a, a more mainstream um, direction. But we, like we both say, we we have nothing against that. We we we've got nothing against the people that do that. They're all our friends. We just stay dedicated to the uh, the more serious, the underground side. Unfortunately, today it's a it's kind of like a much smaller scene, isn't it? But we still. We're still doing our thing, trying to trying to keep that spirit alive. Yeah, no, no, I I, I 100% agree with you, and that's <laughs> that's always been our thing. Is kind of I, I I think I'm stealing this from you. Always looking forward, never back. But that's what it's always been. <laughs> it's true. Yet still remaining true to that underground sound, not falling in with the fads. You know, and and I, I think that's what's kept us, you know, kind of connected through the years, and it's the integrity that you've got, and that's the thing that I've always respected about you, John, is your integrity, to, for lack of a better word, the underground, and for keeping that that tie to constant, like it's like an umbilical cord, to the past, but moving forward, and um. Again, that's it brings us to where we are now. But we're moving away. You were going to play a track for me. Where was that track? <laughs> I've got it now. In fact, good job uh, of waffling. You were buying time as you looked in the crate. <laughs> Bought me time and I found it. But I, th this track is definitely what defined me as John O Fleming, the DJ that people know today. I've just, I was checking the date as well. It was, it was 1995. And um, this track caught my attention. It was... Um, you know, trance was born off the back of techno. They kind of nicknamed it the the, the, the hypnotic um, cousin of, of techno, um, Sven Vaff, and um, a lot of artists like that were playing this more musical, melodic side of techno. And then it, it slowly grew into trance. You know, the melodies and emotion uh, got a, a lot more film, lots more layers, more emotion, longer tracks, and. For me, this is the turning point. It was just a sweet spot between progressive, driving trance, um, kind of underground trance. And for me, this is this is where my heart really fell. I made my decision at that at this point. The the trance genre was something that I wanted to commit a lot of time to, and, and that I absolutely loved. And I wanted to find more of this 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 music. Um, it's by Human Movement. It's called Traveler's Theme. So. Uh, have a listen, see if this brings back memories.
bring back memories for you, Christopher. Oh my God, I remember that. God, <laughs> that just takes me back ages. But that was a that was a huge track as well. I I remember that one, John. Good good pick. I know it's it's just stuck with me. Um, but it's that that's kind of brought memories back for me how even back then it wasn't a worldwide thing because of the, the, the there was no internet there was no communication it was just you had to really rely on magazines and one thing well, I touched on this earlier when we um, first started uh, chatting was talking about the um, the east coast or west coast um, different scenes in the states I love the stories that you you tell about that how different it was I'd love to hear Everyone would love to hear more about that, just how different it, it was in the 90s. Well, it was, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing is that because, yeah, because it wasn't the internet, because you didn't have SoundCloud, you didn't have, the, you didn't know, the only way you could hear a DJ is to go and hear them live. We did mixtapes and those got passed around, but otherwise it was mainly, it, you had to go to a party to hear a DJ play. And I was on the West Coast and that's where I came up and, and, um, especially the like the the west coast rave scene and these parties because they were they were getting bigger and bigger i mean like every weekend we'd have at least one or two parties with 5 to 10,000 people sometimes it'd be 20,000 people parties and so the music that we were playing out here the music that that was really um, worked on those dance floors was powerful it was kind of techno-fueled trance that was just bold and in your face. And that's what had to work to move big rooms of people. And um, and that was the sound that, that, that I was playing over here. But the United States is massive. It's, you know, it's the size of Europe. And so the, simultaneously, there was other sounds happening, but they, in these other pockets... They kind of were, it's like Petri dishes where different sounds were growing. Like the West the West Coast, we had the the big powerful trance that I was playing. But on the, like in Florida, you had two other things happening simultaneous, simultaneously over there. You had the break scene, which was mainly like DJ IC and Baby Ann. And they were doing breaks and that was its own huge culture. And there was also a very, very, very influential progressive house scene happening. And I think, John, you could tell me more about that. You were over there and that was happening unbeknownst really to the West Coast. Yeah, co completely, because I spent so much time in Florida uh, organically because it was a novelty of a, an English DJ being based in the States, you know, it really was a novelty and it, it kind of helped me get bookings as well. But, you know, when we you, we run up the, the, the coast to say, you know, New York, the Twilo days, and people know the Twilo days, Sasha and Digweed used to come over there in the, in the 90s. And then that, that kind of took me up to Toronto as well. So I was mainly doing um, the East Coast, which was a progressive scene. I'll just bring about memories talking about Icy. Because uh, I was based in um, in Florida near Miami, and that's where he was based as well. So I used to see a lot of him, and uh, a guy called Kimball Collins. Arguably, he was the one um, that that kickstarted in the southern part of the, the East Coast, the progressive scene. He was so passionate behind it. He was the one that put on so many parties, so many events. He really pushed that sound when it was new and different. You know it. 
people were into, like you said, break dancing. It was hip hop, or it was just these mainstream nights. Um, but there he was, just doing something different, kind of like you know how the 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 scene in Europe kicked off beforehand. It was like a a, a resident DJ that would get on the microphone and you know hype the crowd up do some party tracks and you know take requests and all that kind of stuff this was just against the grain then he was doing something completely doing what we're doing in Europe there's no speaking nothing it was just dark it was just a rave and you know it, it was really challenging for him um, in the States I saw how hard he had to work because in Europe we had a helping hand it was it was really thriving all around Europe, so there was a big media influence, you know, like Mixmag. It was a, it was like kind of the bible of the electronic industry, and having that in the UK made things so much easier. People were actually um, born on Mixmag, plus Radio One embraced it as well, and lots of TV shows. So we had a real helping hand. But over there, you had nothing. None of the rain, the mainstream radio stations, nothing, no support. You're you were on your own there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. It was it, it, each, and that's why I'm saying like each region kind of had their own thing. You know, the, the I'm mean, like techno came out of the Detroit area. That's you had right. house music, you know, in Chicago and New York, and it, so all of these things were happening simultaneously, but sort of independently. And that's when, that's when, at least for me, the traveling DJ evolved. Because prior to that, we just always stayed in our, you know, kind of our region. I would play up and down California, yeah. the coast, but that was it. But then we began swapping. And, you know, like you'd hear about, you know, this guy, John Fleming, playing <laughs> over on the East Coast. Well, what is his sound? Let's bring him out here. He's, he's super popular over there. Let's see what he sounds like. So you actually had to bring John Fleming to the West Coast. And I think that's when you started playing at, in San Francisco at uh, Sponday. Definitely. But but that, that just triggers memories of how different the scene was back then. Actually, how I prefer it that it was back then because you... You worked so hard on your own sound. You, you went crate digging. You used to invest so much time looking for music to forge that own sound that you've got. But people wanted to hear that. You know, you're on the flyer, um, you know, Christopher Lawrence from Los Angeles. And you're like, my God, I, I, this sound, he's coming. This is going to be so completely different because that's the only way you could hear it. Um, but with, with your own sound and because you invested so much time into it, you forged it, you, you've just put hours and hours into your craft. That performance was what people were looking forward to. But now it's just a, it just pains me to say it's how good you are on social media. You know, if you, if you're very good at social media and doing posts and all that kind of, all that kind of stuff, you get booked off the back of that. And the the music is actually way down on the importance of the list, and it's generally not meaning bad, but it's similarish, or it's within a big scene which are all doing a similarish thing rather than someone unique. That that's what the scene was about all the way back then. Promoters were actively doing their job and researching really, really hard to bring something dynamically different, no matter where the DJ come from, even if they were local and they were doing something different, that would prick the promoter's ears up. To, and all of the fans that went to their raves, their clubs, their festivals would trust that promoter. And if this promoter, he or she, put that name on the flyer, everyone would get excited thinking, wow, 
this this promoter, this must be good. If they're putting this on the flyer, we have to go and see this person. Because he couldn't research it on the internet. You just put that trust in it. He'd program the event as well, he or she. And so it would be programmed perfectly, musically perfect all the way through. The whole story would evolve really well and everyone would walk away and go, my God, that was such an amazing experience like I've never had before. And it, it's just a shame that doesn't really exist today now. No, you're right. It, I often get frustrated about that, but then I have to realize, well, you can't blame the game. You just have to learn how to play it yeah. better. And that that is what will bring me back to a little bit more about Fleming and Lawrence. Yes. And and what what John and I are doing is when John was talking about how the the nights used to be programmed, the promoter would book the DJs, and the back then the promoter chose the time slots. It wasn't booking agents fighting and squabbling over <laughs> which DJ got prime time, which one got this one. Back then, the promoter decided. The promoter said, yeah. this is what I want to hear. I want to hear, you know, like breaks at the beginning of the night. I want to hear some drum and bass. Then I want to go into some progressive house. And then I want to hear trance. Then I want to close the night out on house music. They could decide how their club was going to go yeah. and what the night was going to sound like. And that's one of the things that John and I decided that we wanted to do because when we first started playing together, we would get like a two-hour slot. And they'd say, okay, Fleming and Lawrence is going to play you know, from midnight to 2 a.m. <laughs> but they, we had all this other stuff ha happening around us. And usually it was, you know, like what we have today where it's one solid sound all the way night, all the way through. Whereas if you go to a party that now, you're going to hear all progressive house from start to finish. Yeah. Or you're going to hear all techno start to finish. Or you're going to hear all trance start to finish. And John and I would be forced to play a small two-hour set right in the middle and we'd have to play whatever that sound was for that room that night but to make it more special and what going back to how a night used to be programmed we decided that we'd rather do open to close where we controlled the entire night and controlled the environment so that we could begin as the club opens, playing ambient tracks, playing just, you know, you're walking in, yep. there's no beats, there's nothing. And then we'd begin with Progressive House and build a night from open to close in the classic style of how a night would progress. Yeah. And that way, you're not going to hear the same sound start to finish. You're not going to hear bang and side trance the minute you walk into the club and you're not going to hear progressive house for six hours straight it's gonna evolve you're gonna hear some techno you're gonna hear some progressive trance and of course at the very end you're gonna get a little sigh <laughs> the energy but that's that's the key to a fleming and lawrence night is yeah. it's not one sound because we're not we're not tied to that. We're more about creating an experience. It's the, that evolving experience through the night that you're on, for lack of a better word, a journey. And that's the thing is that I've always admired about John's set is that he could do a journey. And so for us together to take you on a really long journey. And that's, I think that's, yeah. that at the, that's the very like heart of Fleming and Lawrence, I think. And it's, it, one thing that we always have synergy when we play um, together, um, people 
often ask, you know, how, how long is each going to play for? And is it one on one? Is it this? Is it that? We we have this amazing synergy when we're playing. We really don't know who is going to play for how long and f- for for what session and where we're going to go. When we when we're playing, nothing is planned. We just have this synergy where I don't know. Say if I'm playing and I'm I'm heading somewhere musically, I suddenly I suddenly you have these moments as a DJ, you start to get a little lost of where you're going. You you're going somewhere and you think, I'm not sure where to go. And as I look over my shoulder to Christopher, Christopher's already he he's realized that moment. He could his ears prick up before we don't even look at each other or communicate. Chris, I see Christopher with his headphones in his his hands. He knows where to go organically. He's like, oh, I know where to go now. My God, that happens all the time. Just at the point when thinking, you know, I think I might need getting rescued here. I look over, you're just nodding at me, and like, there's really no spoken word. You're there, ready to go. It's like, swap over, and the same thing happens back, doesn't it? You're playing, and then. We just kind of look at each other at the same time. I just think, oh, I know where to go with this now, and you're looking at me, and uh, I'm kind of no, busting it, to go. We just do it. We just no, hand it's over. true. It, it's exactly <laughs> what happens. But there's also moments, like um, like there is, uh, like there's moments where I'll be sitting there, and all of a sudden, John will hit a groove, and I'll like there. I'll never forget one night we were playing at Avalon Hollywood, and you went into a, a techno set, and you. <laughs> You were like three tracks into it. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is so intense. And I was just looking at the crowd and I was and I was watching the reaction and you were getting harder and faster. And I just like, I thought, I do not want to interrupt. And there was a moment when you looked over, like, do you want to take over? And you'd been going for about like half an hour. And I was like, I don't want to interrupt this. This, this, John is in a zone and anything I do now will take the crowd out of the zone that they're in. And I just sat back and I thought, I, I just want to enjoy this and I want to watch the crowd enjoy this <laughs> and just let John go. And that's, the, that's I think, another thing that we, we were able to do is when somebody gets into one of those zones, you just let it roll because it's not, we've got the whole night. And the key is to present the best experience possible and to take that journey. And I love that. I love being able to sit back and just let John go. And so I think that that's another one of those things. It is. It's just it's just this relaxed atmosphere. And it's the DJ instinct, isn't it? Because I know when you're in your zone, you, you can just tell like, okay, because I've, I've played with you so many times now. I know when you're in your flow. I really know and I can tell like, no, he's he's got it. He's nailing it. And you just step back. You're like, no, I'm saying exactly what you just said. I'm enjoying this. I'm looking at the crowd. And it picks me up. You get that that buzz as you're playing. It's like when you've when you've captured that moment, you're running this natural high as you're playing, aren't you? And I, I get that as well. But for you, and I know that you're you're just buzzing off this. And then as you're playing, when I'm in when I'm going in that flow. The, the, the next tracks just come to you. This one next, this one next. Sometimes you're thinking four tracks ahead. You're like, oh, I'm going to pound this, pound this, pound this, pound this. You just, it just all comes together. You know what to do. And the crowd, they know that you're playing with them. They know that you're absolutely twisting their minds, but they're happy about it. And it's like, you you just got to keep playing with them. But of course, of course that, that runs its time, Some, the, the energy or it starts to fade at the end and you know when that moment's ending and that's again, it's synergy again. You think, I look over and 
you're ready to go. It's ready to switch gear to go somewhere else. Well, that's why, that's why I like <laughs> playing with you. It, it's because it, it, when once you've run out like your flow and you've got that intensity going, but there always comes a moment, like you're saying, like you're going, <laughs> Oh, I can't I can't sustain this. And when you're playing when you're playing by yourself, it's a really awkward moment. There's that moment of panic. When I, this happens when I'm playing by myself, you know, like when you're doing your own set, when it's not you and I playing together. And I'm like, oh, I've been, it's been going so good. Anything I do now is going to change that. <laughs> and it's so good to be able to look over and I know, I can bail now. And I've got somebody that's going to rescue me. <laughs> and John's going to take it from here. And it, and, it, and it happens to me occasionally when I'm playing, not when I'm playing like a, a two-hour set, but when I'm playing like a longer set by myself. Yeah. I really miss you. <laughs> I'm like, where is he? Where is he? I need John right now. Put the bat sign and, um, up. Yeah, it's, it's kind of sad sometimes. <laughs> I'm looking over and my buddy's not there. There's nobody it's that's going to save me in this moment. And, um, but yeah, that's. I think that's what really makes the our, the Fleming and Lawrence night special. And, it, and, I, and that's why I love playing together. And it, and it does work because it's not like... We we both play progressive techno. We play we psychedelic. We we play a whole range. We're armed and ready to go to handle any situation. But we've got our own take on it. That's the great thing about it. Like your progressive is different to mine. Techno psychedelic. So that's the great thing. It's it one of our long sets or one of our even if we do a shorter set. It's always interesting that from me to you. If you're playing your psychedelic stride, then I take over. It's different takes on it, so there's different vibes going. Even when it's pounding and heads down psychedelic, it's interesting with us going back and forth. It's 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 great because it's not like there's two very same DJs just getting together, and you you really wouldn't know because they're playing what tracks they would both have anyway. So you wouldn't really know there's two people. It might as well just be one <laughs> playing what they usually do. But for us you can see the enjoyment within the crowd because it, it musically it's just very very interesting it's completely different it's true talking about us getting in our flow and our sounds uh, keeping to the ethos of our sound that's what always interested me with you and wanting to play with you because as we went through to the early noughties and moving through mid noughties the the internet was a game changer um, you know, especially the the, the late noughties, um, because the world suddenly got connected. Everyone knew what was going on. The musical fashions, if that's what we should call it, were born. So if there was a hot sound, the whole world jumped on that hot sound. Everyone was copying this sound that become the masses. And like what you said earlier, Christopher, it's just the game evolves. You know, you evolve with it. Yes, the game frustrates me, you, people that don't play that game, but you have to navigate it and evolve with it. But when when there become this hunger for uh, people to fast track their careers and, you know, well, let's make some big bangers, some big hits, they were playing that in their sets to get attention. And that became challenging for me, you know, playing clubs. There was a big change within the club scene. It went from the promoters booking new unheard of music to booking a headliner with that fashionable sound and usually like you said earlier it's a big person that's pushing that sound and the the, the, the manager and the agent would force another two DJs from the same agency on there so suddenly you're surrounded by 
someone playing that huge, massive, big bang of anthem sound, and I'm trying to do my underground thing. And, you know, if you feel sandwiched in between those sets, it was very challenging to play. So he, the, the person before should be playing some massive whoppers, all the noises and everything. And then my sound would almost sound flat until that the whoppers came on again. But playing with you, Christopher, we played the same ethos, the same underground sound. It was so much easier playing parties with you because uh, we knew we would, even if they gave us separate sets, that we would, one, do a gentleman handover, but it, it would be the same vibe and we would rock the crowd just as hard knowing if I was playing before or after. Um, it would be so much easier to take over or to leave it off, you know, for you to play after. And DJs like us with that sound, I have to kind of say it's mostly within the transphere because the transphere did get more kind of corporate and commercial. Um, we People of our sound got less and less and less. So I think that was an organic draw for me. We thoroughly enjoyed playing with you. It was really enjoyable. Not None of the challenging aspects that went on with it. And I think that's what drew us together even more, wasn't it? Just like, this makes sense. We, we're both thinking the same. Let's get more shows together. And that's when Fleming and Lawrence really took off. People, I guess the fans nicknamed us Fleming and Lawrence, didn't they? And then we, that kind of stuck with us. And so we uh, we, we made that thing and did some uh, releases and the compilation. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's exactly it. Is is It was, it was fan, fan-driven because Aside from us personally wanting to play together, a lot of our fans, they overlapped. And so they would they wanted to hear John Double O Fleming and Christopher Lawrence. And then to shorten it, it was Fleming and Lawrence. <laughs> and when are we gonna have Fleming and Lawrence play? And we weren't at that time we weren't playing like back to back. It'd be you'd play a set and I'd play a yeah. set or vice versa. And I think that was that was happening in like the early like uh, 2000s yeah. and um and it was one of those times when we were playing together uh in the uk it was we were doing a show at turnmills i think it was like 2008 and that's when we did the track beyond the limit we did that at your house in your studio and that's that's what i think when we began doing tracks together as well it was time flies i remember you came stayed with me for quite a few days didn't you i'm sure you were touring somewhere else and we 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 did this gig together i remember that memories just come flooding back and we we did we made beyond the limit together and that was the that was the same year that's that's when things started really solidifying because that's also like the same year that we did the compilation isn't that the global trance grooves two tribes yes and um that was again because it's when we kind of really came to the realization we've been simultaneously on either side of the the ocean doing our things but it was coming closer and closer together and we've been kind of pushing a similar sound together but in different locations and so that's when we decided okay let's officially joined forces that's when we started producing music and we did the the compilation the two tribes compilation and um i think was that a double compilation i think and and we mixed that together it was wow time is flying by many many years has gone by that's that's frightening looking back 2008 but uh yeah it was (laughs) but good many memories it's just aging us so what about (laughs) 
Maybe we should play a, a, a track. We could play Beyond the Limit for everyone. Yeah, play it. Let's play it. No, let's play Beyond the Limit. Why not? Let's play it. John's All right, let memories. me pull that up and, and we'll play that for you guys. This is one of the first tracks that John and I ever did together. And here we go.
Wow. I can't believe that that was like 12 or 13 years ago. It's crazy. But again, that just reinforces how long we've been doing this together. Yeah. And it it was and like I said, that's the, that's the that's really the time when Fleming and Lawrence solidified is around that time 2010, I think I don't know if I mentioned this, that's when we did our first official Fleming and Lawrence date and that was at Avalon Hollywood. Wow. And yeah, yeah, that was our. I was looking at the calendar. Our very first official one was yeah, Avalon Hollywood in 2010, and um, that's when it really kicked off for us. And we were doing Fleming and Lawrence pretty regularly, but again, it was it was difficult too because you had a really successful career going, my career was going well, and it was tough juggling that because it was also new for promoters as well, like having the two DJs yeah. playing together. But that all changed. <laughs> <laughs> it did. And it was challenging as well because you, you live in Los Angeles and I, I live in the UK and it's trying to get two people from different sides of the world together. You've got your tour schedule. You could have been in Asia somewhere and then I'm in Europe and I couldn't, you know, someone was trying to book us and it's like, how do I get myself from there to there and then back to get this other thing? It's, it's quite challenging putting this together, but we... We did manage it and we did quite a lot, didn't we? Yeah, it was going really well. And then I think, what happened? I guess that then everybody decided that they wanted to do a parent. <laughs> <laughs> everybody yes. was was doing so-and-so and so-and-so and coming up with their new their yeah. new pairings. And um, so I guess we, we kind of backed off on it for a while because it yeah. became, again, like a fad. And we thought, oh my God, we don't want to just be a part of this fad. No, and, you um, just you just feel that this, you know, this is scenes and scenes, you get fashionable scenes and it was this kind of duo thing suddenly got together and you feel uncomfortable. You don't want to be part of a fad, do you? You're like, oh, now I'm uncomfortable. It looks like we're jumping on this fad. So you kind of step back, don't you? Like, okay, I mean, both of us knew this, this fad would pass and it did. Um, but you you just don't want to. I feel uncomfortable as if I'm being seen to be part of a fad. I think that's 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 the great thing with us as our gut instincts. When there is a musical fad, we're already two steps ahead or you know five steps away from it. And that that's what happened to us is this duo. It was like, hang on a minute, it, there's a duo thing happening. <laughs> this doesn't suit us. No, and then I guess what it was, must have been it was a few years ago that we. We said, look, let's let's go back on the road as Fleming and Lawrence. Yeah. And it was kicking off again. Things were going really good. And then the pandemic hit. And I think that that really put a spanner in the works. I mean, it, the whole world kind of yeah. went on pause, especially for those of us that work in the you know music scene. Clubs shut down, parties ended. Well, it, I guess we're coming out the end of it. You know, thank God there's a vaccine. Yeah, we can we can start playing again, and that's where we can come back out of it this year. And I'm really looking forward to it. I, I like I said, in case you've just tuned in, <laughs> we're playing in Las Vegas on uh, December 18th, and then we've got more dates at the beginning of the year in 2022. And so I think 2022 looks like it could be a really good year. We've got dates on the books, and I'm hoping that everything turns out well. 
I think so. I think the biggest request that you, we talk about this all the time is from fans and promoters. When are you playing with Christopher again? When are you doing Fleming and Lawrence? It was just this ongoing thing that we used to kind of laugh to each other about. Like, oh, it, this just happens. You, you just been to Argentina and you get a whole yep, load of people down there. And that happened to me there. Where's John? <laughs> when are you doing Fleming and Lawrence? And then it happens where I play. You know, if you, you, you chat to people or people will hold their phone up. When are you playing with Christopher again? So the, there's this <laughs> massive hunger. So it's, it's organic. They want us again. And promoters... Um, you know, especially if they're listening now, they've been, oh, this is good. This is a green light to them. Yes, it is a green light. We are we are wanting to do it. We're actively wanting to do it. And the time's right to to do it. It never went away, to be honest. It's just, it's about timing. And you, you as both of us are very similar, you navigate the scene. You kind of figure out what is going on, where it's heading musically, where you fit, where, you know, like certain parties change sounds and new ones evolve and I think we're at that point it's just lining up to us perfectly and uh, and um, especially with the like you said the the scenes kind of reset itself and people are coming coming back at it with a, a different angle I mean I'm hearing loads of promoters have had time to think for the last couple of years like hang on a minute I was just going this more perhaps mainstream direction when they had underground roots and they, they weren't kind of happy where they were and they were happy where their roots were. There's so many of those kind of stories or people looking around saying, well, there was a void of a certain sound. We want to push that sound. So I, I definitely the, uh, the, the the planets, the universe and Fleming Lawrence have aligned where we're, we're perfectly timed to, uh, to, um, to do this. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. And um, yeah, I'm excited to get back out on the road with you. I haven't seen you for ages. I think maybe let's do something special. How about we turn this over and we play a mix? We're going to do a mix for you guys and give you a taster of Fleming and Lawrence. I think Does that sound a good? good? Idea. Yeah, I'm up for that. All right, so we're going we're gonna to stop talking for now and we're going to turn this over to the music and let the music talk. And we've got a little mix for you guys.
right. Well, it looks like we're at about the end of the show. It was really nice talking with you, John, and it was exciting to be able to put a mix together for everybody and to have our chat. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, I enjoyed talking to John, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it and us being able to share our experiences and where we came from with you. Um, yeah, I guess if you liked it, let us know in the comments. If you didn't, <laughs> let us know that too. Our podcasts are going to go back to their normal format next month. This was just a special one because we're hitting the road as Fleming and Lawrence. But who knows? I mean, if you're, if you're still awake and you enjoyed it, let, do let us know. And maybe we could do some separate Fleming and Lawrence just podcasts if you throw a topic or a subject at us something you want to hear about something you want advice on or just anything if, it, if, if there's enough hunger and you enjoyed it we'll read the comments um, let us know and um, it, it really takes nothing for us to hit a microphone hit record and we'll we'll just chat away if you found it interesting something different and enjoyed us uh, waffling away because to be honest we, we do this organically anyway we call each other all the time and we, we just chat and chat and I mean that's probably one of the reasons that it brought us to this isn't it right we should record these conversations one day because I'm sure it's exactly <laughs> people that enjoy it and hopefully you have alright well I guess I'll be seeing you John in Las Vegas really looking forward to it I haven't seen you for so long I'm not only looking forward to seeing you and hanging out but also playing together again it'd be amazing yeah, I, and I can't wait to see any of you that are in the area. It'd be great to see you guys in Las Vegas on a dance floor. So exciting. All right. Um, I guess this is goodbye. It is. It's sad. It's come to an end. And uh, I have to sign us off as I always do. And I know Christopher will do it. I'll do my sign off. I'll see you next month. Bye for now. All right. It's been wonderful to spend this time with you guys again. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next month.